You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and with us today, we have our, and I haven't told her this yet, she is our first repeat guest on Yay! Dwell on These Things. Christy Wright is with us, and she's here today to tell us a little bit more about her brand new book that just came out, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. If you're not familiar with Christy already, you should be because she was on just a few months ago with us, but she's the host of the Christy Wright Show. She's also part of the Ramsey Show and one of the Ramsey personalities. So Christy, welcome again to the Dwell on These Things podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so grateful. This is, this is awesome. Well, we're grateful to have you with us, and we're really excited about your new book. And again, you're our first repeat guest. So I don't know know that that wins you anything, but I just thought I'd acknowledge (laughs) that. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. So before we get into some of the topics that we'll be talking about today, uh, what's making news with you? How did you guys enjoy your summer? Did your family do anything enjoyable? Yes, we love to go to the lake in the summer, so we kind of take it easy, play. It's very much a season of just play and being outdoors, but it's funny because I just recently have been shifting to this like game on at work with getting the book out there, which I'm so excited about, and I actually talk about the importance of seasons in the book because I think a lot of times we think, you know, priorities are a set it and forget it thing. Like, oh, no, no, my priority in the summer is being at the lake and just playing and relaxing my priorities this fall look a little bit more practical and work focused. So yeah, I'm kind of kind of shifting gears right now. That's well that that's wise and I have to say my wife and I we are lake people as well, more so than ocean people. A lot of our friends yes. are ocean people. Our yeah. family we are lake people. So Thanks. you and Matt same deal? Yes, we love it. I mean, I like the beach for vacation, but the lake I could never get tired of it. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. Well, today we're going to to have a chance to chat about your latest book, Take Back Your Time. And I want to say, even before we get into some of the details of this, uh, I think that this is a very relevant topic, no matter what season of life you're at. So this isn't something that's selective to a a particular season. I think this idea of being good stewards of our time is something that that, uh, is really a wise thing, no matter what season we're at. And I know for me, you know, when I was thinking about this concept in relation to your book, I know I have to go through seasons where I I feel like I'm constantly recalibrating because I feel like I get my life in balance. And then before I know it, I've said yes to a million things without saying, without clearing anything else off the the schedule. And so uh, I think this is a very relevant thing for me and for, for many of our listeners, I'm sure. So I'm just curious from you, what helped bring this subject onto your radar and help convince you that you needed to write this book? Yeah, well, thank you for asking. I've been speaking on this subject since um, literally about 10 or 11 years ago when I became a speaker for our company. We would get requests often from like um, different companies, Bayer, Fortune 500 companies, Verizon, to bring a speaker in to speak on work-life balance. And they sent me. And so literally, I just, it started by researching this topic. What, you know, what do I need to say about it? And I, I started thinking about, well, well, what are best practices? What are principles? And understanding the pain points around it. And and what's fascinating is the while my understanding of life balance and certainly my experience of it has changed drastically over the years as I've had, you know, gotten married and had three kids in five years and 
I have a lot of things going on. My core teaching on it hasn't changed at all. And it's fascinating because I've, I've added to it and expanded it and so on. But I just feel like to your point, this is such a pain point for people because what I've found is, John, whenever I'm asked about this, and it's the number one question I'm asked, by the way, by anyone, anywhere, men, women, kids, no kids, doesn't matter. How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? How do you balance everything? We have all these analogies, walking a tightrope, spinning the plates, juggling the balls. And to be honest, that feels exhausting and like a lot of anxiety inducing activities. And, and by the way, I can do all that and still feel out of balance and still feel as if something's not right. And so I just started asking a different question. What if, what if balance isn't something you do, how you balance it all perfectly, but what if it's a feeling you create in your life where you could actually feel balanced even in a busy season or feel balanced even in a hard season and so it led me down a different path and, and asking different questions. What I believe is uh, the better definition of life balance, which is really what the book is based on. And that's that life balance isn't doing everything for an equal amount of time, like we often put pressure on ourselves to do. It's doing the right things at the right time. And when you do that, you feel that sense of balance you've been looking for all along. And it looks a whole lot more like peace, confidence being proud of how you spend your time and actually getting to enjoy your life. I think that's what we're actually seeking in the first place. Yeah. And that, and that was going to be my next question. What is life balance? So you're, you're defining it as doing the, the right, make sure I get this right here, the right things at the right time, correct? Yeah. That's what you just said. Yeah. The yeah. right things at the right time. Why is that such a hard concept for us to, to wrap our minds around? Well, one of the fascinating things about this subject of life balance that I have found is it's kind of elusive. So we don't know what life balance is. We just know we don't have it. <laughs> and so it haunts us and we feel guilty all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to boil it down to this definition and say, okay, when you do the right things at the right time, you will feel that sense of balance you've been wanting. And oh, by the way, what's right right now is different than what was right six months ago, six years ago, or will be, you know, in another two years. And so as your life changes and it will, and your seasons change and they will, what's important to you in any given moment will be determined by the season that you're in. But what's important is that you do the right things at the right time. When you're in a season of a newborn, what's right right now. When you're in a really busy season at work, what's right right now. When you're in a season trying to heal your body from some health issue or a surgery, what's right right now. When you can evaluate what's right right now and spend time on those things, it gives you permission to shake the guilt that you're not doing everything. That, that when you have a newborn, your house isn't perfectly clean, you're not working out, and you're not seeing your friends. You don't feel guilty from that anymore because you're going, oh, I'm in a season of a newborn. Mm -hmm. So what's right right now looks like this. This is balance in this season. And so what I want to help people do is figure out what life balance looks like for them and their unique situation and their season and their life. And oh, by the way, it may look different than everybody else's version of balance. That's okay. It should because your version of balance is the only version of balance that should matter to you anyway. And so I really want to set people free from the guilt that's been haunting at them of the pressure to do everything. And instead say, I want to help you figure out what are those right things for you right now, and then show you how to spend time on them, be present for them and be proud of them. 
And I'm guessing guilt tends to be a, a pretty big motivator for how people are, are trying to structure their schedules or what they're agreeing to do and maybe the pressure that they're feeling from other people. It just haunts us. I mean, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how we spend our time. We feel guilty. We can sp- spend it in this way or that way. We, no matter what we do, we just feel bad about it. We feel guilty like somehow we're failing this narrative that we're failing. So we're at work. We're focused on home. Am I missing out on my kids? Am I a bad mom, bad dad? I miss the field day. Hmm. We go home. We're thinking about work. I miss the emails, the deadlines, the projects, the meetings. We look at our phone, look at our computer. If you're always focused on where you're not, then of course you feel guilty because you're always focused on what you're not doing and where you're not. And so not only do you feel guilty, but you also are missing the very moment you're in. And so I, I think that the really underlying issue I want to help people with when it comes to time management is this guilt, this undercurrent of guilt that haunts us. And if we can solve the problem there and then fix our calendar, I believe that it will truly fix the root issue and it won't creep up again and again. Now, it's not a flip, you know, switch that you flip. It's a, it's an ongoing process that you have to work mm-hmm. through and practice and habits and so on, like anything in life. But I do think if we just try to micromanage our calendar, this problem will still keep creeping up, which is why I love the tagline of this book, the guilt-free guide to life balance. I want to address the root issue of what's going on and how we manage our time so that it doesn't keep creeping up. I like that. Yeah, I think I think so often we make decisions all throughout our life based on guilt that we're inventing in our own mind or maybe guilt that other people are passing down toward us. And really, it, it doesn't even come back to a conviction of what should I be doing? It's just basically living up to unrealistic expectations that aren't really healthy in the beginning. And yeah, um, okay. yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, you got the pressure from social media. You got the pressure from watching what other people are doing and, oh, should I be doing it this way? I also believe that the enemy can really get a foothold here because mm-hmm. I was just talk, having a conversation earlier today with, uh, with a friend of mine and she was talking about this narrative of like this pressure to do it all and, and to like our kids have to be with us 100% of the time or I'm not a good mom and I have to do things this way or I'm not a good mom or dad or whatever. And this narrative that we're failing, and I just asked her, I said, where do you think this comes from? Because it doesn't come from our Heavenly Father. Right. God does not say, you are failing, and you're terrible at this and this. And that is not how he talks to us. And even when God corrects us and convicts us of, of an area that we need to improve, it feels and sounds so different than that voice that we have in our head. And so I think that you take the outside pressure of how other people are doing it, social media, and so on, to to have our lives look this way. And then you have the inside pressure of this narrative and maybe, maybe how we grew up, maybe the stories we tell ourselves, but I think the enemy can just pour fuel in that fire and really make that guilt um, become something not only that haunts us, but it also holds us back from enjoying our life. And so, and so I think, I think that topic is such an important piece of this to address in the calendar conversation too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and even as you say that, you're getting to kind of some of the deeper level issues that I think we all wrestle with. And you, even as believers, I think it's ironic how Scripture tells us that Satan is the accuser of God's people. And sometimes it's almost like we decide to do his job for him. We're like, yes. you know what? Thanks for showing me how to do this. Let, let me just accuse myself constantly and make myself feel guilty constantly, unrealistically. And we believe it. Right. Those thoughts enter our mind and we believe it. We focus on them. We let them just, t- you know, take up residence in our mind and spend some time there. Oh, yeah. We, um, we, at, we affirm it by our words. I, I will be standing around in mom's groups like, oh, I'm just failing. I'm failing. 
we're reinforcing these negative false beliefs by speaking them out into the world. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's dangerous. It's, and it's untrue. Right. You're absolutely right. Now in, in the book, you, you uh, share four main reasons why we tend to feel out of balance. And I wonder if we could just chat about each of them one at a time really quickly here, just to give our listeners uh, a picture of some of these main concepts that you outlined here in the book. And the first one that you list here the, as a main reason we tend to feel out of balance is that we're doing too many things. So let's chat about that for a second. How are you noticing that? How are we doing too many things? Yes. Well, if life balance is doing the right things at the right time, which I believe it is, Mm -hmm. then there's really four causes of how we, of what keeps us from doing that. And the first one is just what you said, doing too many things. A lot of times in our overscheduled, overcommitted, overconnected culture, our solution is not to cut things out. It's always just to add more. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to cut things out to make room for new things, we add the new things in and try to wake up earlier, stay up later, run faster in between, multitask in between to just make it all fit. You know, the, the analogy I would give you, John, is um, when I come home from the grocery store and my the back of my trunk is filled up with groceries, I look at that trunk full of groceries and it can be, I mean, 30 bags. And I'm like, I'm getting one trip. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm just loading up my arms. Nice. My wrists are bulging. My veins are bulging. My wrists are blue. And I'm like, like trying to be the incredible Hulk. What happens every single time? Bags are breaking. I'm running into the wall. Salsa's rolling down the street. The apples are rolling across the garage because I was never meant to carry all that at one time. Mm-hmm. That's what we try to do with our schedules. We try to do more than 24 hours can realistically hold. And we, we somehow believe we can expand and flex and, and whatever our time. It's finite. You get 24 hours in a day. And when we are unrealistic, with what can fit in those 24 hours, realistic and enjoy our life, by the way, in any capacity or have any rest or even be nice people during right. those 24 hours, <laughs> then we're always going to end up out of balance. So, so it doesn't matter how perfectly you manage your calendar. If you try to cram it too full, of course you feel out of balance. And oh, by the way, you're rushing from one thing to the next. You're exhausted and probably not the best version of yourself, if we're honest. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the second thing you mentioned here is kind of interesting on on the tail of that. We're not doing enough things. So we're doing too many things, but we're not doing enough things. So explain the difference of those for us. Yeah. So, so again, uh, life balance is doing the right things at the right time. So one way that we don't do that is we do too many things. Right. Uh, The second way is that we're not doing enough things. Now you might look at that and I bet a lot of people listening can't relate, but here's some examples of how someone that it may relate to. This is the opposite problem than the mm-hmm. first one. Right. Um, this would be what we all felt during COVID last year. So at first we were so excited to stay in our pajamas. We had nowhere to be. After about three weeks, we were bored. <laughs> and we're like, I, I need structure to my life. I need responsibilities to show up for. I need outlets to use my gifts. Gifts. I need relationships that, that bring life to me that I connect with. If you don't have that, you will feel out of balance in the completely opposite way. I'll give you a more practical example that is not COVID related. Um, someone that might be listening right now that's an empty nester mm-hmm. and they've spent their whole life revolving around their kids, taking their kids to practices, obsessing over their kids, doing all the things to be a, you know, a great parent and their kids go off to college and they have their own lives and they're like, hmm. Now what? <laughs> what like what now? What do I do with all this time? And, or, or someone that's retired. And their career was their thing. And they, they retire because it's time to retire. And they're like, I'm 
I'm bored. You know, they feel out of balance in the opposite way. So, so we need to have healthy relationships, responsibilities, and outlets to show up for, to feel that sense of balance. And again, it's, it's less about balance as it is peace, fulfillment, confidence, being proud of how you spend your time in your days. Right. It's a, it's a stewardship issue in many respects. Yes. It's funny yes, when, you, when exactly. you're talking about uh, just the, the guilt. Uh, when my gym closed for, uh, you know, m- most of a year, I guess that kind of removed some of the guilt from uh, going to the, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I can't feel guilty. Give you a free they, pass. <laughs> yeah, they took the option away. I guess I can't feel guilty. And now I feel guilty every time I, I try and wear something I haven't worn in a little while. Yeah. Like, Wait a second. <laughs> I need to, need to get back in balance here. Um, oh, all right. Number three I have on, our, on your list here is we're doing the wrong things. So tell us about that. Yeah. So again, if, if you can work really hard to manage your calendar perfectly and feel like you're spending the right amount of time on the right things, but if you're spending time, especially a large portion of your time on the wrong things, you're going to feel out of balance. Now here's what wrong means by definition, wrong to you, not important to you, not life-giving to you, not enjoyable to you, not just not important to you. So if you have all these responsibilities that you do out of guilt or obligation, if you work in a job that you hate, it doesn't matter how perfectly you manage your calendar because if you spend a large portion of your time on something that is not important to you, you're going to feel out of balance. And and I think that that is such a pain point for people because especially like in the job example, they're like, well, this is just what you do, right? Like you work a job, you collect a paycheck and go home. And then they wonder why they're unhappy. They wonder why they dread Mondays. They wonder why they feel out of balance. Not because you're working too much. It's because you don't like the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. You could do work that is life-giving and fulfilling where you look forward to Mondays. And so again, whether it's a job or um, commitments, if you spend your time people-pleasing, showing up to events that you actually resent, (laughs) then it's not because you're doing too many things. It's that you're doing the wrong things. And when you do the wrong things, you will always feel out of balance. I, I bet you there's somebody that's really resonating with what you just said right there, because I, I identify that in many respects as a huge problem that kind of lingers under the surface where we're, we're doing the wrong things, where we're in the midst of uh, just kind of a system that we've grown used to. And instead of actually, you know, moving in the direction we're supposed to, we just maybe to this, this is probably to fulfill someone else's expectations or, or some sort of external demand or, or something like that. But I sense that's a big problem. Well, it's interesting too, because I dig into this in the book, whenever I talk about the kind of what's really going on. And for example, one of the things I struggle with is I love to be the hero. So if Mm. someone needs something like, oh, I'll do it. Like I love to save the day. And I think as believers, we can really misunderstand, misinterpret, misuse scripture to think that we're just supposed to be everything to everyone because that's what God calls us to. And I'll tell you right now, John, I have truly been in situations where I, uh, you know, said, yes, oh, I'm just, I'm such a helper. I just, I can't help myself. I just love to serve. You know, I'm such a good person. And I show up to this thing and I feel exhausted at the very thought of it. I am resentful in my heart, if I'm honest. I do not want to be there in doing this. And in all of my tension at fulfilling this thing that I think is Christian service, mm. I will feel the Holy Spirit whisper, I never gave that to you. Mm-hmm. That's not yours to carry. Had you asked me, I would have told you that's not yours. You went and did that on your own and you're calling mm-hmm. it service. And I heard a pastor say one time, uh, a line that has just cut me to the core and it still sticks mm-hmm. with me to this day. I put it in the book, but he said, there is a very big difference between doing something to be loving 
and doing it to be loved. Mm-hmm. And I love to dig into these deeper motivations in the book. And that's one of the things I called out myself. Like if I'm honest, a lot of my Christian service is to earn love. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's being loving, but I think we misunderstand the things that God's calling us to because we think we're supposed to be a doormat. We're supposed to be the Energizer Bunny and be everything to everyone. If you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't, he didn't do that. He wasn't right. everything to everyone. He did not heal every blind person. He didn't heal every person. He actually retreated. He prayed. He rested. He was quiet. He was alone. And we miss that part of his model. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we have to understand that if we're going to free ourselves of the guilt, pressure, and obligation to do everything, especially in the church world. Oh yeah, definitely. Excellent example. And, and the last thing that you put in your list here too, is we're not doing the right things. So how does that tie this all together? We're not doing the right things. Yeah. So that's a little different than doing the wrong things because doing the right. wrong things are things that are not important to you, but you could just be trucking along, but you're not doing the right things. And again, the right things are what's right for you. What's right right now. What's important to you. You know, we just had the Olympics this summer, an Olympian training for 30, 40, 50 hours a week. That's right for them. A new mom that's barely getting any sleep, hasn't showered in a week. She's trying to feed her newborn. That's right right now. So you have to understand what's right for you, but here's what, here's what, um, I guess just kind of frustrates me for other people. It kind of breaks my heart for other people. I hear people say things like this all the time. I love to work out, but I don't have to have the time to. I want to go on a date with my spouse, but we can never make our schedules line up. I want to start a business or a ministry, but I can never find the time to. I want to play with my kids, but I don't have the energy to by the end of the day. If you don't spend your time on what's actually important to you, then of course you feel stressed, anxious, exhausted, angry, and out of balance because there's a gap between what you care about and what your life really reflects, what you actually spend your time on. These are the right things. You decide what they are. I'm not going to tell you what's right for you or what you should spend your time on. I do want to help you figure out what those are for yourself. You figure these out for yourself and then help you align your time with those things. I want to bridge the gap between what people say is important and believe is important and what they actually spend their time on. When you do the right things at the right time, and oh, by the way, as that changes, you're allowed to change your mind. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, then you feel that sense of balance. So if you don't do the right things, if you spend your whole life on things and you don't uh, incorporate the things that are most important to you, then you're going to feel out of balance because again, it's doing the right things at the right time. You, you just said something that I, I really wrestle with personally. The, the permission that you gave there, you're, you're allowed to change your mind. That's something that so I, I don't know if I phrase it wrong in my mind sometimes, but where you almost look at things like it's a matter of, of your word or your honor or something mm-hmm. like that, because you've made a commitment, but then you start thinking about, well, okay, it, you know, this commitment to a task is not the same as, as some deeper level commitments. It may be that I, I commit to a task for a season of time, but it doesn't mean I have to commit to that task for the rest of my life. I mean, if God's calling me to do something, by all means, but but sometimes I think the Lord calls us to, to do something else, and, and we're still stuck in a spot where we're saying, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I could give myself permission to, to change my mind on something. You well, see that's that? so, yeah, it's so important because I think one of the things that we do is we think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to set resolutions at the beginning of the year. I'm going to set priorities in my life of like, God, other self, in that order. That's a fantastic Sunday school answer. That is very impractical for real lifetime management. In any new season, you need to determine what are your priorities for this season 
and even within a season this week and even within a week this day mm-hmm. what is right right now and then when things change things need to change so let me give you a practical example uh last week i had the uh plan to wake up and work out the night before my son was up all night mm-hmm. i got no sleep so that changed my plan of sleeping changed when my son right. woke up so my plan of working out changed so instead of beating myself up of I didn't work out, I remind myself things changed, so things need to change. And I think that there's there's something so freeing about this message that you have permission to change your mind, change your plans, change your priorities, and you should as you adapt. So another practical example, John, um, about six months ago, I felt God calling me to go to seminary, mm-hmm. which was absurd and ridiculous <laughs> and intimidating and all the things. But after arguing for a while, I finally obeyed and applied mm-hmm. and all the things. So I'm in it now. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm taking a class. Well, launching a book, having three kids age six and under and going to seminary is enough. That's enough. So when I walk through the house and it's not as clean as I'd like it to be, I don't beat myself up. I remind myself what's right right now is seminary kids book. Right. It's not all the things I'm not working out as much as I'd like to. I'm not spending as much time with my friends as I'd like to. And sometimes, but that's, it's not the, what's so freeing about this idea of what's right right now is it, it reminds you just because it's not right right now, doesn't mean it's never right. There will be a day. I think hopefully maybe my house will be clean when my kids are a little older and could cooperate. Yeah, Like two more decades, two decades. Sure, When they're out of the house. Totally. Um, But, but it, but it, it gives you permission (laughs) to be present and proud of what's right right now. Like I'm like, I'm reading freaking 300 pages a week. Mm -hmm. Like that's what's right right now. But what we do is back to what we said a minute ago, we just pile it on. I'm going to add seminary on and still expect to work out every day and still expect my house to be clean. No, we've got 24 hours in a day. What's right right now. I'm going to do those things. I'm going to be proud of those things. I'm going to be present for those things. And what happens as a result is it helps us shake the guilt that we're not doing all these other things. It's not that they're not never right. They're just not right right now. Yeah. Excellent. I, I think that's good counsel. I, I, I'll ask your advice on something else here, too, that's very much related to that. So recently I was having a, a conversation with Amanda, who's one of your teammates there at Ramsey Solutions, yeah. and she was familiar with my ministry. She was familiar with some of the other things I'm working on. And this was the question that she asked me in the midst of that discussion. She said, when do you sleep? So when do you sleep? Now, that's a question I've been asked before, and I think this is the kind of question that probably driven people or entrepreneurial people or personalities that kind of fall into that, you know, like self-motivated type of um, behavior or line of thinking tend to get. And you probably get that question from from time to time as well, I would I would assume. So what advice or what counsel would you give to somebody who maybe spends a lot of their time always trying to reach the next goal or climb the next hill or whatever it may be? And yet they're really wrestling with the idea of life balance. What, you know, how do you balance being ambitious, but truly balanced? Well, what's fascinating is I think that we have this idea of balance is like we have all this margin in the world and we just live in this Zen state. That's not it. And certainly not for high performing people, high driving people. You can be busy and balanced. It's not because you need to do so many less things but you need to do the right things. You need to fill your calendar, whatever capacity that is for you and whatever energy level you have with the right things. So that's for someone that is, you know, at this capacity, they can fill it with the right things. Someone that maybe has a lower capacity, lower energy level, lower desire to, to run so hard. Um, but, but, but 
you make a good point about the sleep because I think that people that are hard driving, when you think of what can go, that's the first thing to go. I'll stay up later. I'll wake up earlier. It's the first thing to go. But the, while we understand in our mind that we need sleep, I'll tell you in the last um, four months, as I've been talking more about sleep and the necessity of sleep, teaching it, researching it, that type of thing, I have paid more attention to my own sleep. And on the days where I don't get sleep because my son's up or because I stay up too late or whatever, it's not just that I'm tired. I am not creative. I am not happy. I'm not fun. I'm not energetic. I just get through the day. Whereas by contrast, if I can get eight hours, I don't mean I need 10 hours. I just mean seven to eight. I just mean a very normal amount. I wake up so creative, so energized, so happy, so positive in such a good mood. The ripple effect of simply getting sleep. Now let's go ahead and call something out. The majority of people are not skimping on sleep because they are work on their, working on their life's work, their deepest <laughs> dreams at 11 p.m. They're scrolling Instagram. That's what they're doing. They are working all day. They come home. They get their kids to bed if they have kids. They crash on the couch and they're scrolling Instagram. So here's something I have done, John. It's so practical, but I literally will set an alarm on my phone. Nine o'clock, head upstairs. And because I put it on my phone or, or I tell people you can put it on your calendar. You know, we have a whole chapter on the calendar and how we don't put things on the calendar that we actually want to do. Then we wonder why they don't happen <laughs> because we didn't put them on the system we've chosen to live our lives by. But whether it's on your calendar or an alarm, because I see it, it's this accountability that reminds me to snap out of my whatever I'm doing that's probably not important, like scrolling Instagram, head upstairs and get ready for bed. And it has held me accountable to an earlier bedtime and I actually do it. So when I'm saying go to bed earlier, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, you just need to give up your life's work. <laughs> no, give up the stupid crap that's stealing our time where you're sitting there from nine to 11, scrolling other people's lives and missing your own and missing sleep mm-hmm. that's gonna make you grumpy the next day. So it's a, it's a practical thing. But when we get in the habit, it does get easier. Nice. That's good. I, I like the uh, definitive way you said that, too. You know, someone needed that pep talk. You know, you said that you said that not just like a, a teacher. You said that like a coach. So whoever needed to hear that, I hope you're listening right now. Uh, Christy, as we finish up our time here together, uh, first of all, let me just say this this was very insightful. And I, I really hope people take the time to, to read uh, your latest book, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. I think they're really going to enjoy it. I think they're going to find it very practical. And uh, I really hope people take advantage of this resource that you put together. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I really do. Um, I have a few fun questions for us, though, as we sure. finish up today. These are inconsequential, all right? Everything right. you have talked about up to this point has been helpful and matter. <laughs> These don't matter, but just help our, re- our listeners to get, get to know you a little bit here. We didn't do this, by the way, the last time you were on. And afterward, I was like, oh, why didn't I put any fun questions in there? So oh, we're going to do, do this it. today as we finish up. All right, okay. number one, do you let your children select what's playing on the radio when you're driving, or are you afraid of what they might select? Uh, we usually, they usually watch a movie in the DVD, like they have a DVD, but Alexa at home, whoever makes it to the table first in their seat gets to pick the first song. So I will let them pick at the dinner table. And it's usually like kids pop. Kids pop, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I always our kids are a little bit older now, but I, I always would dread that they would pick a whole bunch of things like that. You know, like the uh, yeah. the kids music. I was like, I could take it for so much. The, oh, yeah. the best was when uh, one of our Sunday school teachers at our church asked my daughter uh, for a, a song request before Sunday school one Sunday. And she requested a U2 song. And I was oh, like, I was like, that's my daughter. That's right. That's amazing. Carter <laughs> likes Jimmy Buffett. 
And, uh, but then he also likes like some hamster song, the, the most annoying song in the whole world. And it's like nine minutes. I'm like, we can't do the hamster like, song. It's like someone get to the table before him. So he does not That's pick that right. one. That's right. <laughs> All right. Second question. Just a fun one here. My daughter recently pointed out to me that we always either go bowling or mini golfing when we're on vacation. So for your family, which of the two is more fun or neither? Ooh, um, bowling. Bowling. We don't always go on vacation, but we, that's our go-to activity in the winter when mm. it's cold outside. I feel like um, it's less of a chance my boys will use the mini golf clubs as a weapon <laughs> across each other's head. But bowling, it's like they can barely lift the ball, so they just walk up and throw it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's good. Good uh, uh, preemptive, you know, yeah. think through how they might use these devices. All right. That's right. Last fun question for us today. I always think this is a fun question to ask people. When you were in high school, what did you think you would do for a living? Oh, probably I had 30 so different many, things, right? Yeah. I, well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I had so, mm-hmm. okay. In college, I thought I was going to work at an advertising agency in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I think I wanted to be a marine biologist. I always loved Shark Week on Discovery Channel. Like I was fascinated by like marine life. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. But then also somewhere in there was always business. Like I was going to start a business because my mom had a business. Okay. So just uh, quite a variety there. And I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, surprise, you know, yeah. going to mix it up. Yeah. There, marine biology, that was a popular choice for a period of time. And I, and I always wondered if that was, so the movie Free Willy, when that came out, that yes. kind of like sparked a whole, yep. you know, big interest. It was like when everyone wanted to be uh, involved in forensics, when CSI came out, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, do you well, really a- want to do that? I <laughs> uh, no, I, um, I used to watch Shark Week on the Discovery Channel, like back when I was <laughs> like 10 years old I mean I've watched it back in the old like forever growing up and that was I used to love it up until it started getting real ridiculous and dramatic with like fake sharks that are not even real (laughs) like they have in the last few years I'm very disappointed in the integrity of shark week the last few years I just want to say on record if you were a marine biologist you would back in the day I would back in the day it was real and it was fascinating (laughs) awesome well thanks that that was uh entertaining to hear and I'm sure I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing that so what can we expect to hear from you in the the coming months and how can our listeners keep up with your current projects Oh, thank you. I'm on Instagram at, at Christy B. Wright. Everything else is on ChristyWright.com. The book is ChristyWright.com slash balance or anywhere books are sold. And I think one of the things that I'm really working on that I'm excited about right now is creating tools that help people do what I teach you to do in the book. So the book comes with a workbook. If you buy the book, it has a free downloadable workbook that follows with you chapter by chapter. But I'm also working on some like actual tangible tools to help you do the things and, and follow the steps that we talk about in the book. And I'm excited about that. Awesome. Well, Christy, keep doing a great job. We always appreciate you as a guest and we appreciate the content that you're producing. Again, the book is called Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. Be sure to pick up your copy and support the work that Christy's doing. She's offered us a lot of great encouragement today and we really appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today, Christy. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.